Stumbled across my original time trial song today. I just felt like playing it. Here's our intro. What a banger, eh, James? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Lincoln Park. <laughs> just picture 18-year-old me picking it. And just being absolutely hyped playing oh, all day long. Oh, just so stoked to be at a World Cup having a time trial song. My bottle got stretched a little bit. You have to be fast in the track. I'm about to light this shit up. Show number two this week, baby. James, our first double header. This is huge. I like <laughs> double headers now. Yeah, it's not a it's not a big week, but it's not a small week. Oh, no, we're not, not at all. This is going to be the double shot show. Show 49. Fuck, that's a good number. <laughs> what a classic number, hey? Man, so I guess technically, aren't the numbers set till, after, till the O show? Yeah, they're supposed to reset after the yeah Olympics or no, after the new after the year. They're supposed to reset or something? I thought it was after the O show. They were locked into Tokyo. Is that what it is? I don't know if it was locked until the end of the year or just till the O show. I hope someone fast gets my number. Like, I don't want someone slow to get my number. Like that might sound like a dick, but I don't want someone slow to get 49. I want a banger to get 49. You want a banger so you can cheer them on while they're still racing. Oh, like, that's my guy. I'm going to be my guy. Whoever picks 49 is going to be my guy. Yeah. They're going to be, you got to train them. You got to make sure they're you're, like, like they're going no on. matter what, if they suck, if they're like going to win a world cup, they're going to be my guy. Regardless, <laughs> I'm going to be their biggest fan, whoever it is. It's so funny. It's like when you watch a moto, you see this the guy with your number, you're automatically a fan of him. Oh, hell yeah. So whoever picks 49, like next year or whatever, you're my guy. You're, you're you guy. are my guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pro Gate Europe, when he starts the Great Gate. You know what? Fucking Liam Phillips had great gates, didn't he? On his Pro Gate Europe's? He did have great gates. Yeah. His, his, his lane one in Manchester. Oh my gosh, that guy came out. Dude, how good were times. Liam's gates? They were impressive. I think impressive how consistent they were. Yeah, I think if I could take one person's gate, I would have taken Liam's. Yeah, that's pretty fair. They were incredible. Yeah, dude, especially at Manchester. Oh man, that's where dude, dreams were made, right there. <laughs> <laughs> he's still sleeping behind that lane one there. Oh, he's just got his sleeping bag on the hill behind lane one, just <laughs> dreaming of it. He's just renting out his his tent there right now to other people. That's, know, that's his spot, though. That's his. That's that's the sixty five spot. That's yeah, that's, Prince Liam Speedway. That is the King Liam Speedway. Yeah, um, I wonder if people have beat his time down the hill there. Oh, I, I would, I would think not. But I kind of, it would be cool if he did, didn't. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, who, yeah, who knows? Like Evans maybe did, but I, if I had to guess, I would bet no. Although yeah. I would guess that Evans has had some absolute heaters down that hill. Hammer big Q, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see Evans just lighting up practice on that hill. 
<laughs> Practice assassin, baby. Yes. Um, uh, so we dropped our merchandise on Wednesday. Huge day. Huge day, man! I had been so excited for that day for so long. We've been we've been wanting merch to drop merch for so long, and people have been asking for it, and we finally did it. God, it feels good to have coffee chatter merchandise. Finally, hey, like how long have people been asking for us like a coffee mug or shirt? They're like, we just kept something. We're like, we don't know what we're doing. Well, we finally got some stuff out, guys. So now it's up to you to get it. I know. So what do we got? Dude, we got the works. We got mugs, shirts, water bottles, travel mugs, iPhone cases, duvet covers. <laughs> Dude, we need someone to get the blanket. The comforter. Dude, someone please get the blanket and take a photo of it. Can just somebody, send it to us. We'll repost it. Can no somebody doubt. please get the blanket? Like, I just want someone to get the blanket. I just want to see it get used. I know. Like, if I, uh, you know, it's a perfect blanket for your dog. That's actually good. I, well, we don't even know the blanket. What if it's good for sleeping? We have no idea. No, I, I know. I think it's good for the couch and whatnot. But like, yeah. I think for like a dog bed, I picture it in a dog bed too. That's fair. Well, anybody who gets it, t- take a photo. Anybody that gets any merch, send us a photo. Yeah. Once you get it, obviously it's going to take a little while with the shipping and whatnot, but take a photo of it, send it in. We'll try to get it posted. Yeah, definitely. Like James said, take a photo, send it in. We'll, uh, we'll post it. We want to see you guys enjoying your merch. Yeah. Um, Hashtag merch, baby. Oh, dude. Big day. I want to get, we talked about it, but we want to get snapback hats too. Yeah, we need to get that. That's need, the one thing we didn't get with this. I know. We need snapback hats and uh, dude, toques would be awesome or beanies as you Americans say. <laughs> yeah, that would. Beanies you know, would be dope. We eh? didn't, that would be sick. To I be know. Honest. Yeah. A good beanie is really nice. I know. Um, I was going to say, we didn't even say he was on the show, but this guy has some great merch with his company, Rich Pelton and Tangent Products. Yeah, Rich Pelton's our guest today. Um, Tangent Products, dude. And uh, good guys over at Tangent. And Rich is an awesome guy. Great for the industry. Um, prominent guy. So it's going to be fun to talk to him. Talk industry, talk sponsorship, talk Tangent, talk a bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. I'm really curious even how he... He started the company because it's been going on for a while. Tangent isn't like a new brand at all. They've been around for a while now. Hashtag Tangent Cartel. Hashtag Cartel. Hashtag Cartel. <laughs> um, before we get into things as well, so I got um, all my summer camps and whatnot finalized, and I also just got my Ontario trip finalized. So uh, July 7th, I'll be at the Falls BMX, and 8th, 9th, I'll be at Stouffville. So those flyers will come out soon, and you can register with the tracks. So obviously, with the coronavirus going on right now, I don't have any camps booked the next couple months. So all my camps start in June, and I think my last one's in September. So as of mm-hmm. right now, they're all going, and I think a lot of tracks have opened up um, registration. This should go track by track, depending on when they, when they want to open registration. But for now, they're all going. Obviously, if we get to a point in the summer where it if we're still in the situation we're at, I'm obviously not going to have the camp. We're going to have to cancel. And if you've already prepaid, you're going to get your, you'll get your money back with full refund. So go ahead and register because if you have to cancel, you get a refund. So no harm, no foul. But as of now, they're still all going. Hopefully by the summer, we'll, we'll be good to go for those. Yeah. That'd be exciting. Let's hope you can get those done. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Um, dude, how about our golf games this week? Man, we were on fire. Dude, we Holy shot. Shit. So we both shot in the seventies for the first time. I shot seventy six. James shot seventy eight. Right? 70, 78, Yeah. Seventy eight. So anybody who plays golf knows how big of a deal that is. Monumental day. Huge. Huge day. I've been wanting to for a while. It was in the rain too, so conditions weren't easy. Yeah, we will say like there's a star beside it. It was winter rules and COVID nineteen rules, but it still counts. We played rules as rules. I know. Before you people get mad at us for self isolate, let let us tell you we actually were completely because let me tell you, there's no one else in the golf course. 
me and James don't high five, handshake, nothing. We stand like a good distance apart and just walk around <laughs> out in the open without anybody around. You don't touch the flag stick. You don't touch the rake. There's no rakes. The cups are above the ground. So you just putt against the cup. So literally we're following all the rules in a safe manner. Literally, we're standing across the fairways, walking down the opposite sides, just talking to each other. We're doing like actual the definition of self. There's like the golf course is probably a very safe place to be for self-isolation because we're literally out there by ourselves, not touching anything. No one around. No, like legit. Yeah, we're just hitting golf balls. I can walk in down the fairways. Yeah. That's about it. Touching, so. touching your own ball and your own club. Yeah. So anyway, our that- golf games were on point. That was sick. It was a big moment. It was if, a if huge we were, day. There were, that would have been a big huggable moment, but we couldn't do that. <laughs> After we put it in on the 18th hole, we're like, God, we want to hug right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've been waiting for that day for so long. Air high five at a safe distance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was classic. It's not the same podcasting, uh, not in person also. It's weird. No, it is weird. Oh, we were going to use FaceTime video so we could see each other, but that's we're already past that now. Yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things. That's kind of one it's, of those I things. I thought about it, but I was kind of like, <laughs> fuck it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we're beyond that now. Um, yeah, so yeah, it is kind of is what it is. Um, speaking yeah, of which, speaking of which, most people have to do, um, gyms aren't open right now, eh? So most people are exercising at home. Have you been doing stuff at home or have you been going out? No. Okay, so here's the, I got a, I got a problem with this. Okay, I've been going out, but... I want to know where the hell all these home gym setups all of, a, all of a sudden sprouted out from or sprouted up because all of a sudden all these BMXers have home gym setups and they're doing cleans in their backyard. I'm like, where do you guys get these gyms from? It's and ridiculous. A lot, a lot of people have like bumper plates and shit. Yeah. Like what the I hell? Know. I have nothing. I got like three rubber bands that I've, I tried to use for fun, but I was like, hey, this is just silly. I'm just going to take my break. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have much either. I stopped going to my gym. I don't know, a few weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, probably like when it started, you know, we're started getting advised not to here and when stuff started closing, I stopped. And so mm-hmm. last week I was just started like lifting planters around the house. I got like an old chin up bar. I was doing push ups. <laughs> I was doing like push ups and stuff on. And I have some like light dumbbells, like 10 pounds. I was just doing some whatever lunges and whatever. And I didn't have some a jump curls here and there. Yeah. I didn't have a jumper cable or a, a jump rope. I wanted to uh, skip for warm up. So I just used old jumper cables we had in the garage for cars. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know. You that's just got shift. You just got to make do, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. You got to just find a way and that's what you're doing. That's good. I miss my gym though. Yeah, I can imagine. I don't have the same, like, yeah, not being in that same routine with everything, all the equipment that you normally use. Yeah, it's is, weird. Yeah, it's tough. What, yeah, you, it's tough. what are you doing for gym right now then? To be honest, nothing. Yeah. So since we kind of got the news of everything kind of being so delayed and shut down, uh, I basically just have taken this week to rest and I'll probably do the, maybe the same next week. Um, but just to give myself a break, cause I know like by the time we do find out when the races are and everything gets going again, it's going to be, I'm sure things are going to be crammed together pretty tightly and we're going to be pretty busy. Yeah. So I figured I'd take my break now while I can. I, I don't have a gym set up at home yet. Um, I don't have a gym to go to, so I might as well just take the break and I can get a gym set up, probably set up for in a couple of weeks when I want to get back to it. But it's crazy. Yeah. So we recorded last show earlier this week. The Olympics still weren't canceled. The next morning I wake up after we posted it and the Olympics are canceled. I'm like, well, shit. I know, right? <laughs> Already behind the like, times. Like, like, of course, crazy. we're like a day behind. Like we assume it was about to happen, but then they do it the day after. I know. It's crazy how fast shit is moving these days. Like one day is like a month in real time. Seriously, yeah. You know, yeah, the amount of shit that's going on. Yeah. So I can only, obviously, having been an athlete my whole life, having the Olympics canceled, like... I think a lot of athletes are going to be feeling just lost. Like they're like, well, what, 
the hell do I not cancel? I should say postponed. I mean, till next year, there, mm-hmm. a lot of athletes are going to be like, geez, what do I, what do I do? Like, I think a lot of athletes are feeling lost right now. Yeah, I think so. I know for like, I was reading a lot of Canadian athletes, like when we first got told that Canada wasn't setting a team, like people were obviously really disappointed and like, I think kind of shocked and I'm sure very deflated at the same time. So seeing that they were postponed was like, I guess a sigh of relief. Are you shitting me? Um, yeah. So it was like, it was a good thing and it was kind of uplifting that they were postponed, but you're right for a lot of these other athletes who they spend their whole lives trying to get to these games and accomplish their goals of winning a medal at the games and whatnot. Now they're postponed a year. They're like, what do I do? It's like, they don't really do much else in their life. So it's like, what do they do now? <laughs> Athletes in general are so single-minded and, and incredibly focused individuals that it's, a lot of time it's the only thing on their mind. I think mm-hmm. the ones that are like, I think the ones that literally all they think about, care about whatever is just the Olympics. I think they're going to have the hardest time because they don't have a lot of balance in life. And I was guilty about that at certain times too, just being mm-hmm. so single-minded. And it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it's really good. Uh, to be that focused and driven and just so dedicated. But at the same time, if you don't have balance and all of a sudden the Olympics are postponed, you can feel pretty lost. Whereas some athletes that have uh, maybe a second interest or some hobbies or that kind of thing, I think are going to be able to cope and be better off. Mm-hmm. I, I really do agree. Um, I think there's athletes too that are in the sport for the Olympics and there are, there are athletes that are in their sports because they love it. And the ones that love it, when they see that happening, I mean, it's a little bit of a blow, but they're okay with it because they know they're still in the sport because they love it. There'll still be other races to compete at. But you're right. The ones that are like all in for just the Olympics, I mean, that, that takes a hit on them a little more than the others. For sure. I think that's too much. Like, I don't think you should be in a sport just for the Olympics. And I mean, that's coming no. from BMX, which is, we're lucky. We have such an awesome sport and there's so many different uh, series and races you can do that like we're way, there's more to our sport than just the Olympics. So I think mm-hmm. in general, BMXers will be better off than other athletes. But mm-hmm. I think it's so important. I was thinking about this. It's so important for athletes to find balance. And if that's some, I would give some advice now, like being retired and being able to see it from an outside perspective to have some outside hobbies and interests and more balance and diversity in your life than just your sports. So when stuff like this happens, you still find happiness and fulfillment in other areas of your life. Because a lot of athletes, like I said, are so single-minded. It's just like, what, what do you mean the Olympics aren't happening this year? You know, <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a really good point. I mean, for myself, like, I was pretty, once they got moved and there was nothing to kind of look forward to and train for, I was pretty unmotivated. Just because I knew it was like, well, it's like, hey, now we're just going to be kind of playing the waiting game for a while. But it's like, we went out, we played golf this week. I just changed the mindset. I was like, okay, I'm going to take this week off. I'm going to rest. And we're just going to have fun doing something else. And obviously, golf is my other hobby. And I had a blast. Like this week was played golf twice this week. It was so much fun. Yeah. I think little escapes like that are, are perfect. Mm -hmm. And dude, how peaceful is it on the golf course? Like for those four or five hours, you're not thinking about the coronavirus. You're not thinking about anything. You're just at peace. And all you're thinking about is whether you should hit an eight iron or a nine iron. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Do I need to lean forward in my stance or do I need to lean back? Should I hit a hard wedge or a soft nine? Like that's all you're (laughs) thinking about for four or five hours. And it's so peaceful. Yeah, it, honestly, that's the thing. I think it is. It's like it's an escape for at least myself. I think for you too. Like, yep. phone gets put away. Yep. Nothing else really matters. It's like, like it's the same when you're on the track, but on the golf course, it's a lot more peaceful. Because I mean, let's be real, it's a lot more relaxing game than BMX racing. Yeah, I think it'd be <laughs> tough for the athletes to just do BMX and drink coffee. Like, find some find something to distract yourself, or I don't know, a hobby or other interests. I think that's really important as for you as a person. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was just yeah. on my mind. I thought it'd be good advice for, I don't know, maybe pros or, or anyone in the sport, really. Yeah, I think that is a good, a good point. So, um, Sylvan social media check-in. Speaking of our merch, was Nick's coffee chatter video. Man, what a guy. What a bro Nick is. So if you haven't seen Nick Long at Nick Long, it's, it's Nick Long 64 on Instagram, isn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah anyway, Nick's, uh, he made it. You know, it's our official promo video for our merchandise. <laughs> that was fantastic. It is oh, the official video. If you haven't seen it, go check out Nick's uh, coffee chatter video. It's fantastic. What a bro for putting that on. Yeah, that was awesome. I hope he had some just premium petrol in there. It looked pretty strong. Oh, you know he'd do that. He's not going to make it weak. Let's put it that way. No, he loves some gas. He loves the premium petty 5,000. That's his motto with coffee. <laughs> he's not just going to be uh, having some like weak shit in the house. No, he's going to have the good stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God, his ass now. And he's going to yeah. play with his little cats. Dude, his little cat's so cute. That's adorable. Hey? I know, his little kitten. It's so funny looking. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> it really is so funny, but so cute at the same time. So I did, uh, this past week, I did the time trial videos again, or the time trial songs again on Instagram. People had to guess whatever old time trial songs. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Big fan. I don't, Big fan. It's fun to do, right? Yeah, it is. It's fun for like to, to listen back and think about the time trial days. First of all, dude, those stories take me like 45 minutes. <laughs> like, First of all, yeah, how do you know all those songs? So I started thinking about it the day, like two, like a couple days before I was like, oh, I should do, I kind of forgot about it because I did it a month ago or a few days, a few weeks ago, whatever. And then I was thinking about it again. I was like, oh, I should do another one because I still remembered a lot of people's songs. Mm-hmm. And so if, like two days before I wrote some down and then a couple of them, I was kind of sure, but then I had to uh, Google a video just to make sure. Um, yeah. and then I texted a couple of people just to make sure what their song was. Um, I don't yeah, think fair. anyone got them all right though. It was hard. There were some tough ones in there. Like you have the normal bangers that you just remember and cause probably cause you watch them all the time. But a few of them, I was like, I really have no idea. <laughs> no, it's really tough. I, I like Donnie's this, the rad soundtrack. That was so good. <laughs> that was easy to know. Yeah. That was just all him. Or like Evo Vanderputin's number of the beast. Cause he was number six, six, six. I always thought that was really cool. To be honest, I didn't get that one. Right. But those were like the guys that when I was growing up in, uh, in Supercross, those are the guys that I would always watch because they're the fastest guys. And yeah, that's probably why I remember their songs. Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, for me, it was Connor. Like his, his I always remember his time trial song. Yeah, very um, recognizable, especially because he was winning them all at the time with that song. So, like, everyone exactly, everyone knew yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe some people got his wrong. That's weird. Come on, guys. I know. It's like of all the yeah. ones, of course. Like, how are you not getting that? Are you shitting me? Are you shitting me? <laughs> um, anyway, that was fun. I was trying to think of other BMX trivia things to do. I haven't thought of one yet. Sure, though. Those are fun to do. Did you put yours in there, by the way? I did on the one I did before. Okay, yeah. I did on the one. Sure. I couldn't remember. Yeah, but then it's hard also because some people, like I switched my time trial song. I think I had a, yeah, probably like three or four over my life. And then I think Payphone. Yeah, then right. I, I had Linkin Park. Then I had Payphone. Then I had... I picked a Spanish one for Argentina and then I picked, I actually had like five and I picked the three days grace one, which I used. And then I ended with weed and boys the last two. Oh yeah. Okay. okay yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then like Elise had like three different time trial songs also. Yeah. Okay. That's true. So some of them, yeah, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it, people didn't keep theirs the whole time. How about Elise having get low as, as one when she was younger? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and before that shit, all I do is win. Dude, that's savage. Anybody to play that for a time trial, that's... Oh I know. And then gosh. Get Low is so hood. Like, imagine just Elise yeah. on the track. Skeet, skeet. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, my God, his ass now. <laughs> Do you remember Corey Walsh back in the day? 
He played like bubble. Oh, he had bubble butt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just hilarious. Um, oh, that's good. You have a you have a rant before we call up Rich. I don't got no rant today. My only rant is like I already told you about those people all of a sudden coming out with gyms. Somehow they're just pulling gyms out of their ass and just being <laughs> able to do workouts. And I'm like, what the hell, guys? It's bullshit. Come on. Uh, fuck. It's better to take time off right now, anyway. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, we don't, our rants suck nowadays. We don't have any good ones. Dude, let's rant about our rants sucking. What the hell? We need to, like, at first we had good ones. Yeah. Now we need to come up with a new segment. People, uh, shoot us some ideas for a new segment. I was trying to, I thought of one the other day and I forgot about it. Oh, like a new, new, like oh, a new segment. I think we talked about it before, but I wanted to come up, I wanted to say like either a fact or not a fact and you could guess if it was true or false or who it was or mm. something. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad, eh? Mm-hmm. Might not, not sound, bad at all. Might not sound good when I explain it, but in my mind, it, so- it sounded pretty good. <laughs> it'll be good. If we if we bring it out, it'll be better. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll uh, call up Rich. All right. About time to get the man on. That'll be interesting. This is the first time we've had an industry guy on, hey? Oh, that's face. Is oh, it? that's fucking FaceTime video. Whoops. Um, oh, we had Carnes on, but. Oh, we did, yeah. yeah. I always think of him as the tour guy. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Rich, you're live on Coffee Chatter. How's it going? Live, huh? I didn't know it was live. Uh, it's good. How are you? <laughs> oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. We've uh, had some different schedules in the last couple months, so we're finally getting it done. <laughs> I know. We've tried to get you on a few times. <laughs> <laughs> that was classic. Um, yeah, yeah, man. We got it down. How are so how, how are things going? How are things going right now? Are you guys uh, self isolating like everyone else? Yeah, for the most part. Um, well, yeah, we we slowed down considerably. You know, no races. A lot of our arcade pro shop, you know, obviously event driven, so that's at a standstill. And the shop is just mainly just me, TJ, and Jen. So Jen's kind of off right now because there's no production in the back going on really. And that's just me and TJ. So there's not really a lot going on. We're actually taking like, he's going a little earlier and I'm coming a little later. So we're just not here together the whole time. And then, yeah, just uh, at home. In how, the how, much. how is the, is the virus affecting business at all right now? And may shipping stuff or yeah. customers or yeah, anything like that? Uh, yeah. Our, well, it's because the main part of our retail business is the mobile, you know? So yeah, it's a hundred percent shut down. We've seen web, web activity has gone down considerably. You know, there's still a little bit, but not what it is on a normal day-to-day basis. There's no tracks open, no, 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 no riding to where you're going to go, man, I need new grips, I need new tires, you know, that, that kind of impulse buy at, at nationals or, you know, track side when you're, you're there on your bike, you know, if you're just putting around, you know, maybe doing some sprints, you're not really worried if your grips are wore out or your tires are new and all the impulse buys of new this and new that, you know, so yeah, it's, it's slowed way down. Yeah. Close to, close to stay, close to standstill. Oh yeah. And I bet people too, like in general, they're probably not thinking about BMX as much in general with everything going on. No, not, not in purchasing. I mean, we're pretty, pretty blue collar sport, you know? So most, most racing stuff is, so yeah, they're more worried about, you know, taking care of their families, paying rent and all that. I mean, even, even us here, it's like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to be an company. I don't have any extra money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, I'm just buckled, buckled down. We don't do anything. We don't just sit at home, watch TV, but luckily 
we do have a shop that's my own, you know, and so I, I'm actually here now running a little evening shift, running some stems. And, um, so we can still get stuff done. There's always, with us being on the road, there's always stuff to do um, here because we're behind. You know, I, I'm trying to get caught up on paperwork. We've got some projects. Uh, you know, our carbon stuff got, kind of got put on hold last year just because we were too busy. So I actually went to Taiwan two weeks ago during the scheduled trade show that they canceled. And I just, I started my tickets book and I talked to my vendors and I was like, Hey, I'm going to come anyway. They're like, really? You're crazy. I'm like, if you're happy, I'm coming. But it was great. I got dedicated time instead of, you know, 20 minute rush meetings, like during what well, they file everybody in and out. I sat there for hours, you know, worked on drawings, you know, start to finish in their offices. So actually it was really, really productive. I don't like being in the airports too much. I'm not going to lie there, but uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm 14 days clear now. Oh, good. <laughs> so, Today, I, I got back. I got two. I got back two weeks ago. So, productivity-wise, man, I'm stoked. I was like, well, it's worth the risk. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but it's actually it's really safe there. They they kind of lock down right away. I mean, they're used to uh, yeah, yeah. problems from China with SARS and all that. So they had lockdown and schools out and stuff back in January, and put all their stuff in place early, early on. I think I was there. They had 48 confirmed cases and went to like 50 in the two weeks I was there. So it was, uh, they're like, they're like, are you take, checking the news at home? Like, I'm trying to do it. It's all Taiwanese. You know, I was yeah. watching CNN. Like, it's safer here. It's going crazy over there. So yeah, I came home, flew straight into LA to go to do a pro-am in Lake Paris. It was rained out first, but then by Thursday, they had already done the, like the stay at home, start, starting to stay at home. They were canceling stuff. So I mean, that was it. We were just done from there. Like we literally been home, you know, creeping up on three, four weeks now with, with you know, with the trailer. So yeah, yeah. definitely an interesting time. Man. Yeah. How, how is, how's Tangent? How are you guys doing in general? Like virus aside, like business wise, it's going good. Before that. Yeah. But something like this can zap you bad. You know, we don't have tons of, tons of stored up money, but yeah, the back half of the year was really good. I mean, we've always grown a little bit every year, just, I mean, whether it's 2% or, you know, 10% or 5% every year, we've kind of grown over the 20 years. And last year was pretty solid. And then even the beginning of the year was pretty solid. So we had some, we had enough money to kind of take it on the chin for a month, but you know, once we get into April and if it goes into May without, you know, I'm looking at into those assistance programs, at least just for any minor stuff, you know, we don't, we have to get heavy into profit, but if we end up spending, you know, $30,000 on staying open, paying bills and keeping everything else alive then we're going to be kind of out of money. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but before that was, was great. I mean, for, for what it is, you know, I mean, we're not millionaires or anything, but we were moving forward, uh, developing new product and uh, the races were doing well. Uh, yeah. There's no, no complaints there. I was curious, Rich, cause you guys have been around for a while. When did you guys actually uh, start tangent? Uh, it started, it's kind of a, I mean, I guess you guys talked for a long time, but it's kind of a long story about <laughs> making it short as possible. It, the guy I grew, I grew up with in my hometown, uh, a little bit north of Sacramento, well, I raced from like 10 to 14 and he was, uh, so he was probably in his early twenties and it was Dave Blanchard. He, he actually started it in like 91 or 92. But when I was a kid, I rode for him. He had a, uh, a little local team called KPNS. So it was, killer photos and stories and that was like a little zine that he had so he'd take pictures of the track and you know photocopy them onto a little you know fold up little zine thing he had and i kind of rode for him for a few years back in the day 
And then around 14, I stopped racing, started playing like baseball, football, that kind of stuff. And then high school football, and then went into junior college football. So I played football for about eight years. And then in football, you can't just, uh, you know, most ball sports, you know, non, non-BMX type sports, you can, uh, once you have a talent, that's it, you're done. So, I mean, I kind of was done at junior college. I'm 21 years old, pretty, pretty primed athlete, just going, well, shit, now what do I do, you know? like So I, I finished, I, I got an AA degree. So I went to state college first, and that's for football, and I was a little too tough. I knew that my talent level wasn't quite there, so I dropped back into junior college. Still never started there. It was still just a struggle. I mean, I was just a really good athlete at the time. So I finished my AA degree, and then I was like, going to go to Sac State and just get a, go to school, but I... Uh, I picked up a bike around 22 again. I don't even know why. I, I couldn't tell you after you know, eight years of not even touching a, a BMX bike or mo- much of a bike of anything. And started riding. So I went I went to the old trail spot where we used to ride as kids where that guy, Dave, had like trails. And he was like, the second time I went, oddly enough, he was there. And I was like, holy shit, dude, I haven't seen you forever. He's like, is that you? You know, I'm like grown up now, man. And he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, I just, you know, been in BMX my whole life and just blah, blah, blah. He's like, I got this little company. And all I made was plates and pads and stickers. And I'm talking like made at home, you know, like with a little screen print thing out in his backyard and hand-sewn pads. They were called pad wraps. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those, but all, yeah, the, yeah. Old, all the old school and NorCal people, it was really big then. So I just kind of... By we hung out, so you just rekindled a relationship because I mean, literally, he lived a mile from me, um, from my parents' house. So I go, I go to my parents because that's where all the trails were. So I go meet up with him, and he started kind of showing around the local tracks in the area, and then I just kind of got into it. Just I was bored and athlete, and like, well, let's try this. So met Brian Roost, um, local top ten double A pro time, and we hit it off, and you know, there's kind of history from there, but. As, as me being here, but then uh, I started working with him, like kind of helping him because I really like making some stuff. Always, my brother-in-law at the time was a t-shirt printer. I'm like, hey, let's let me do some shirts for you. Let's design some t-shirts. So, okay, cool, cool. And then we moved some of the operations into my dad's warehouse. We had some space, and I was kind of helping him. We, it was still really small, just kind of for fun. And then uh, I don't know. We kind of had a difference of opinion. He was a real artsy guy, and he kind of wanted the the brand stuff to be like hard to get, you know, like, I don't even know how to explain it. He's like, I don't want everyone to have it. I want to have a mystique. I'm like, well, how the hell are you going to make any money doing that? man? you know, he's like, well, it's not about the money. He's like, well, at some point it's kind of got to be about the money. Like he's just broke. You know, like, just a, just a guy lived at home. He's 30 years old, you know, whatever. I'm like, dude, like, like, why would you not like, we can get this selling. And he just was really anti. So just like, you know what? Let's just, well, he actually parted ways with me because I would just never saw eye to eye with him at that point. So he's like, let's just stop. You know, I don't want to upset you and you upset me. So I'm like, ah, cool, whatever. So I rode, I switched because I was kind of like the tangent on the tangent factory team at the time, in like 94, 93, 94. And then I just stopped. And that was it. So I was running for free agents for a good time. Over a couple of years had passed. And uh, I really liked making stuff, like, you know, being a part of the, a brand and making stuff, and kind of pushing our the stuff that we like to see out into the world and how people accept that and buy it and, and embrace it, you know, uh, as a culture kind of thing. So I wanted to start another brand. I was like, you know, I want to start a brand again. And uh, I couldn't really, I was going over all kinds of names with my friends and we couldn't really ever think of any names. And someone mentioned like, dude, why don't you take Tangent? Why don't you talk to Dick? Cause Tangent had been dead. He actually 
a year or so later, he just stopped doing it. So there was no tangent. It was gone. Say ninety five, six, seven. It was just nothing. There was no more tangent. And he said, "When you talk to Dave, it's not. Why don't you use that name? It's NorCal. It's you know, it's home, but it's got a bit of a name here." Um, I was like, "Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go talk to him." So I actually tracked him down and told him that I wanted to, you know, be a brand again. And he's like, "Wow, that'd be awesome, man!" He's like, "I'm sorry, we bought it heads, blah blah blah." And I just took over the name from there. I mean, it didn't really matter. It was like no product, no nothing. We didn't even use any of the old stuff. I just kind of relaunched a whole new brand in 98. So, yeah, we restarted it in 98 under my direction and uh, just kind of was a hobby making pads and plates. We still make pads and plates, and they're different. They're like the clear clear plates with the reverse print, and then the pads are like the reverse print vinyl. Do you guys remember those little vinyl? They don't want the big bulky pads anymore with the snaps or the heavy Velcro. Um, so we were making those and we sold tons of them because back then everybody would run them. So we sold lots of stuff. So I mean, you can make pads and plates and you do all right, you know. Then, then the ABA at the time canceled the pad rule and that was huge. Like, you know, every bike had pads, whatever the number is, 50, 60,000 riders. Yeah, they all had bar pads, you know, like, so that's, you sold, you sold a lot of pads. We're like, oh shit, you know, like, what are we going to do now? So I think TJ was on board at the time. I don't remember what year, maybe like 15 years ago. He was, he worked at GT and he was working for stats. And then I heard he got let go from stats and I approached him and was like, Hey man, you want to, I mean, I'm kind of growing. And it was just me at the time, me and, you know, friends dicking around. And I, I was like, you want to come over to Tinkerton? Try it out. And he's like, uh, I don't know. I was like, I'm going to do this. Come try it for a summer. If you don't like it, you know, no big deal. No hard feelings. You know, we can't pay you a ton anyway. So just come out. I guarantee you'll have a good time. You know, we, we all like to have a good time up here so he came and that's kind of history. He's still here 15, 16 years later. But, uh, when they stopped now, they were like, all right, well, what are we going to do now? So we started, we bought a CNC machine and started making CNC parts. And then kind of just every year we've just added parts, added some technology, gotten better. 10 years ago or 12 years ago, I don't know, we started the vending trailer stuff. It just kind of progressed, you know, it just doesn't encompass everything like we're in every aspect of it you know race teams pro athletes bikes you know bike shop manufacturing i really don't even know how i got here it's, it's taken so long you know it's just a it's just like a little bit here a little bit there a little bit here and now it's now it's this now it's what it is today it's funny how it, it went from a hobby a hobby to a job yeah, i was gonna say it's, <laughs> it's funny how things snowball like that yeah well, i mean it's a long snowball literally 20 years was you know, two years ago. So, so it was 20, 22 years. Now you guys are here where you're at and you're, you're a big company in the industry. Like, what do you, what do you think is a uh, most valuable piece of advertising for a company like you? Um, that's, that's debatable, you know, cause we have to look at that kind of stuff. Um, before it was, you know, we just had little race teams, some A pros and the team thing was big. Yeah, we've had to analyze that quite a few times because it's a budget thing too. Because you'd like to have, you know, a race team here, some some satellite teams there, some top names, but that costs a lot of money. And we've never had, you know, I don't have a fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollar budget, or even, you know, you get some of the bigger brands back in the day, and now it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, no one, no one has that anymore. But you know, the GTs and all those kind of companies back then, they spent a lot of money on that stuff. So we kind of had to start small because just had to. So we have a couple riders, then a couple riders grew into a couple more. And then it grew into a, a team of seven or eight. And then we never really funded a top pro until the last few years. And we were kind of, you know, the race team was cool and all, but 
um, I wanted to get into the European market a little bit. So I started a few years back, started um, looking into that kind of, and I actually on the same time met Doma. So she had a hand in helping me out, got, you know, guide me to some of that stuff. And then even once people started finding out, finding out that, that we were dating at the time, they were kind of hitting her up. Hey, what's uh you you the tangent guy how do, how do i get a hold of him so they literally like just they, they started hammering her can i get some bars then, <laughs> yeah right they started kind of hey what is that that's no because i mean um but i i didn't really know i was kind of just consumed in our market for this big it yeah. was like big enough at the time but now then i you know you go to the west coast and like tangents everywhere you know and rift now is everywhere you just see it tons so i don't know four or five years ago i was like well let's check out the east coast so i out to the east coast and there's like almost nothing and i'm like fuck i'm worried about europe right now and i don't even have the east coast so just trying to get stuff in place is tough but you know you had the race team so back to the marketing part so i tried three when we picked up romaine that's when i was like okay i had test tj kind of manage our team so tj we gotta cut the team back like financially i want to spend some money in Europe, uh, I want to, I want to top pro. I want you know, as top as we could get with, with our budget. And initially I was talking to Sylvain and he was, it was after his first year away with, so I don't know what was going on there. I'm like, Hey, you know, what are you doing next year? Cause I wanted to get someone big in Europe. And he's like, no, nah, I don't think that, you know, they're taking good care of me. I don't think they'd even, they have a first rider refusal. And I don't think they'll let me go either way. And then uh, the next day I get a text from Romaine. He's like, hey, uh, and I didn't even know Romain at the time. Uh, and I, I barely knew Sylvain, just a little bit. He raced a pro-am, and it was starting to get popular in the U.S., so I knew of him. I'd seen Romain come over once, but I didn't really know who he was. And he's like, I heard you're looking for someone. And I was like, whoa, okay. And so then we made a deal, and that was that. Um, so the pro thing, so pro versus the amateur team. Amateur team has to be, it seems like you have to have a good presence gotta have tents you gotta have all the stuff you know you gotta have a big scene around it you can't just i think just a couple amateurs you know spotty across the nation or whatever doesn't help as much as a big name because once we got romaine it seems like we got the attraction of the rest of the globe because he's a world cup rider yeah and it kind of it kind of let everyone know that oh you can trust this brand this sport this you know those bikes can't go that fast where europeans didn't really know much about us you know like they just who knows what it is they just didn't didn't know us didn't need to trust us didn't really care so so kind of when he came onto the scene our global recognition got much better so um yeah and at the time too this we we're looking like okay what's chase do chase doesn't have a bunch of amateur teams they didn't have any they got you know so they barely even have little satellite teams they just got the two best dudes so their marketing versus race teams you know blah 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 so we kind of just split it. I cut down our amateur side just a little bit. I didn't cut riders. We said, Hey guys, we're going to fund a little less races. You know, if you need to move on, that's fine. It was really cool about our team. We're more like family. Like, no, no, we like, let's, we just, we support this decision. Let's, you know, let's go. So no one laughed or anything. So that was really, that was really cool. To support you, with our team. What do you think the difference is between, for instance, like having a top pro or some pros as opposed to amateurs? Like what are the pros and cons or maybe differences in, in advertising in regards to sponsoring pros versus amateurs? I just don't think amateurs as an individual, individual, they've got to be, I don't know. They, they've got to shine a big light. I don't, yeah. and they just, they don't, they don't get the global recognition. They just, I, you know, I've, I can, I, now that I've actually tried both sides, you know, I have both now, but 
put money into the other, there's just, it just seems more recognition. It's hard to really, I don't know, monetize or quantify or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely, it definitely seems different having a top guy with top crap, you know, like, you know, world cup riding, turning fast slaps of the weekend, you know, getting the podiums, winning nationals. Um, the vibe is just different. Does it, you know, is it what wins on Sunday sells on Monday? I'm not sure, but I know our Europe has expanded, you know, exponentially since we've picked up Romaine and then just other teams in Europe trust our brand now. Like they reach out, Hey, you know, we've got these teams, you know, come sponsor us. Um, so yeah, it, it just kind of changed it. Whereas that never happened with our amateur team. No one from Europe yeah. was calling us up going, man, your amateur team is killing it. Yeah. You know, like, so <laughs> that's, I can't say one's better than the other. I mean, I guess how I would say having a top pro, you know, traveling the world, flying around through a flag is probably going to be better. Yeah. Cause it's just instantly people trust what the top pro is doing and everything. Yeah. 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 yeah I have well, to agree. Think, yeah. You think about it too. Like yeah, anybody around the world sees Romain on like the world level. They're seeing how fast he's going. If they see the, the amateur rider, well, they don't know how fast that amateur rider is compared to the rest of the world or the riders in the world at their age, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Especially a lot of times. Yeah, that, am- that is a good point. The amateurs stay in the U.S. Like, do you think it's more valuable to have a guy racing the World Cups, for instance, and doing well, or racing the USA BMX and doing well, or yeah, what do you think? I would, I would, I would go with World Cups right now. Yeah, I mean, just, there's just, really much yeah. USA. There's really much USA racing. Yeah, just I more mean, publicity I, and more exposure. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think the expo- just the, it's just a global recognition is what I call it. You know, yeah. like everyone sees it. You know, like the top people, the, the people that matter see it. And then it, it, I think it trickles down. And like I said, I'm, I'm new to it, you know, well, three years now, but that's that's fairly new. And I've been doing it a long time. I'm new to the global market. Um, like, to, you know, we just kind of, US, U.S. just was enough at the time, you know, and then we're like, okay, we need more. Um, and not, not more, I agree, just more because, it's really hard when the market's, you know, I don't even know what the real number is, but they say, you know, 60,000 is probably 40,000 actually raised. That's all the people you have to sell stuff to you know, the whole nation. So yeah, once yeah. you started doing that, like, okay, I don't think the pie is going to grow. We got to go reach that European pie um, and get into that market. So, I mean, yeah. we're not killing it over there or anything, but we're definitely a presence now. And we're known and uh, yeah, and it's cool. It's a good thing. What do you think? So I think, I mean, top pros. What do, you, what do you think like obviously results are important because people see that but how do you balance like how do you put value on uh i think one of the biggest questions is putting value now on results or social media or both like what are your thoughts on importance of both or one or the other or anything like that um you know I, i'm not results are obviously going to be be awesome there's only a few dudes that get results that are noticeable all the time. Yeah. You know, no one knows, no one knows. Like I said, I, I since I've been watching world cups, you know, three to five years, I couldn't tell you who got what in the semi, you know, I, I, I actually, <laughs> I go to so many events. I can't even tell you who won the most, but I can rattle off eight names that are supposed to be there. Yeah. You know, that yeah, week yeah. in, week out, you know, Graf, the uh, Sylvan, Connor, you know, I, I could go down a list of maybe 10, 16 guys, you know, that should be, you know, in the mix. After that, I'm not really sure. So if they're not that top, then it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. You know, it's, it's good to have, because then, then you're basically back to, you know, having the A pros everywhere. You know, we've got guys that are the best in their country, but they're, you know, they're making 16th in World Cup. So I can't put too much weight on that because they are great where they are. So being the best in the world is tough. Like, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. A, gnarly, that's a gnarly thing. Same thing, it's like, 
those guys, some of those guys, you know, like our Spanish riders, they, they 16th, but they're the best in Spain. They're number one and number two, and we sell stuff in Spain. So they got to be the best on the globe. No, you know, they don't. They're great in their area. So we've got guys, you know, like, uh, Giacomo, he's great in Italy. He may not be, you know, he may reach a semi at best, but he's, he, he's the man in Italy. He's, mm-hmm. so you gotta kind of put the, put put them in the place where they belong here, but take the value for what they are. I mean, they're very valuable in their country to be the best in the world. I mean, that's, that's a whole other deal. That's great. That's but you know, that's, that's tough. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. So, how it's like if you don't, if it's either like the very top guy, then it's like yes, that's like very marketable. Or if it's a lower down guy who's good on social media and has a good presence around their tracks and whatnot, that's also almost right. just as or more valuable. It seems like. Well, yeah, yeah, for for direct sales, you know, because they can reach him, you know. So I mean, like take Giacomo, like, he's he's accessible in Italy, you know, like where you know Silvan's not, he's in France, so. We try to, we do the best we can. I mean, I'd love to have number one guys, but I can't afford one. And I wouldn't expect them, you know, it wouldn't expect any difference. You've got to be able to afford those guys to get them around and do all that stuff. So do the best we can. Um, but I mean, we have one in Romaine. He's, he's actually got there. He's making it, you know, and it's been awesome. It's been, it's been a, it's been a blast to watch him. Uh, a little bit, we call him Mr. Nice Guy. He's a little too nice sometimes, <laughs> but, but he's a great guy, but he's not big on social media. So it's like, He's putting himself out there. He's getting results, but he's not huge on social media. Uh, it's uh, it's weird. I can't. You know, I don't like to force people to do stuff that they're yeah. uncomfortable with. Um, how big is social and it's media? It's not all about results. How big is uh, sorry? How big is social media? How to have like a following in that kind of like activity online like that these days? How how important is that for a company like you guys? I think it's important, and it's another thing. I you can't really, I can't really put a finger on how much it does, but I I do as much as I can. Um, I think I should do more sometimes. I just get so busy with other stuff, but like when I go to the races, I try to make stories and kind of, so that you get a vibe of what's going on in our, our little world. Um, I think it's important to stand in front of your customer for sure. Um, I like, you know, sometimes I'd like those guys to do a little bit more. Uh, but then I also think that beating it up a little bit too much is kind of, kind of lame, kind of a tweener. I think just, we kind of created an overall presence. We've got a race team in the U.S. We've got satellite teams kind of all over now. We've got a top World Cup pro. We've got uh, USA pros, you know, that are doing a great job. So I think, and then they're all on social media as much as they are. So it's like a package, you know. I can't put a finger on one thing anymore because we have so much. We, you know, we sponsor ABA series. We make all the award plates. We, we do print ads, you know. So it's a big culmination. So it's really hard to say what, what does more for me. I, I don't know. Um, but I know adding at the latest, the, our latest edition of marketing was a world cup rider. And it's, it's been really right. helped a ton. I guess if you sponsor, yeah. if you sponsor a guy who's got a good following and everything, it just kind of adds to the overall and just expands the reach of the entire company. Right. Yeah, exactly. So each little person does their part, you know, like the Spanish, the Spanish follow the, the, the Alcor brothers, you know, the, the Italians follow Giacomo, uh, you know, we just started some new Latvian kids, the, you know, some up and comers. So the, they have their little exposure group. Romain Scott, you know, he's got France and he's, re- he's reached a little more global because of the World Cup. And then, you know, we've got whatever we do. So just put all the pieces together, and make, make a puzzle. Um, one, one might not be bigger than the other. I don't know. It's just a big group, a big family and, just, you know, do what we do. It seems like also like you guys have done a good job at getting the, 
the next kind of top amateur guy that's going pro as well? Like I obviously just recently with Riley, is that something you yeah. target as well? Like the next guy coming up into the pro ranks? Um, no, not really. That was kind of a, a fluke, you know, uh, <laughs> we just, we, like he said in his interview, we just kind of, I, I, I've known of him, but I didn't, I've never even spoken to him. I don't think before, um, last summer he came up, he and, him and Nick Adams, our other amateur, or one of our other amateurs, I, I, they were hanging out and I saw him one day at the time, and he was kind of bored. So I'm like, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to hang out. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not like uh, against any teams, I don't shun anybody. I don't care what you know what you ride. It doesn't matter to me. We're all we're all just BMXers. I mean, some people don't really realize that, but we're all just kind of in this little shit sport together. So I don't really kind of <laughs> frown on. <laughs> I don't really frown on anybody for what they do. You know, just all um, trying to get a just all trying to get a small piece of a small pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just fighting for it. So yeah, I don't I don't fight for it. I just you know here's what we have to offer. You know, take or leave. Um, but. So we just, uh, we hit it off and we kind of kept talking and he wanted to make some moves. Like I didn't solicit him for like, you know, drive him away. He actually was going somewhere else originally anyway. And I just said, Hey man, the offer's still on the table. And I kind of just left it at that. And he called me a while after and he said, Hey man, I didn't really think about it. I think I, I, I still want to ride for you if the offer's still there. I'm like, Oh yeah, shit, for sure. Let's, just, let's do it. I was excited. I mean, I knew he was good, uh, but like for him to just blow doors on everybody like he did, uh, pretty impressive <laughs> like i was i was pleasantly surprised i was you know i didn't know i knew he's gonna do well obviously but he seemed exceeded well a little bit so uh, and he's just a, he's just a fun personality he's kind of he fits our style he's not yeah, he's, a cool dude. he's a cool dude <sighs> yeah he's really cool I, I, he's not a prude he's not a jock nerd you know he's just uh he's just a kid having fun and, and that's that like revitalizes it's, like, it's just nice i like it so i've always thought a uh, sponsorship of athletes is fascinating because i've always wondered like so I'm getting paid to represent said brand or whatever. I always wonder, is me actually using it and representing them driving product sales? Or for instance, if you think of someone like Lewis Hamilton, Formula One, getting $50 million from Mercedes, it's like, is he really, are they really selling $50 million worth of cars because he's in a Mercedes? Like I always thought, found it so fascinating. I think that's the, um, I mean, they'd rather pay the, pay for a race team then give it up in government give it to the government you, know, yeah. you spend it as expensive if you spend it as expenses marketing expenses a legitimate expense so you know they just develop race teams I, yeah that that's a whole other level <laughs> I don't I don't know what how that how yeah. that works <laughs> they're 500 million versus my $50,000 budget I can no yeah but I always I always curious like <laughs> I was always, I always wondered since I was a kid, like, are all these riders that are representing these brands actually driving uh, customers to the product? And I was, then I always thought of it logically, like, well, if they weren't, they wouldn't be sponsored. Like, there must be a value in that. Right. Yeah. For those, the big budget stuff like that, I would have to say some, you know, I mean, is it just, you know, you can pay $50 million in taxes or you can spend it in marketing. Yeah. I, you know, if you got, I don't know. For us, I think it does help. Yeah. I mean, in our, in our sport, having, but like I said, I can't put a finger on one particular thing. No, it's, it's impossible you know, to, we, yeah. We've over, over all the years, we've slowly put together this program that it is now, you know, where it's, it's global. It's got top riders, US, you know, like riders all over the globe now. It's, it's taken a lot of years because we couldn't just throw money at it. Like, all right, we're here. It's hundred grand. Get tents everywhere, boost everywhere, pick up riders everywhere. We <laughs> literally like, okay, we made a little bit more money this year. Let's get another guy. Okay. We got a little bit more money. Let's support a team over here. We literally just year by year, slowly, slowly grown this. 
it's almost painful when I look back at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need, yeah. but I, I enjoy what I do though. So luckily, luckily I got that. So. I was always curious, like, is there, um, like a type of rider you guys look for if you're trying to expand more or is it just like, uh, do you just kind of look if they're valuable or not? It's not like the actual type of rider. They um, you know, now we just, I, we don't really even go through riders very often. Most of our riders have been with us forever. Um, a lot of them were local, local based. Um, if we, sometimes we have a, a gap, like say a gap from 12, to, like on the U S amateur side, like all of a sudden, you know, we had most of our riders stop riding. We quit our team because they stopped riding. We don't got a lot of guys jump. Um, we don't let a lot of guys go. Uh, I mean, just very few over the years. And most of them just kind of quit racing, you know, they lose interest at that, you know, 15, 16 year old age. So if we have a gap, we'll kind of look around for someone, um, style, style it's more, it's more of their cool kids and if they got a cool family because we don't want just crazy, crazy parents. Uh, we don't want shitty kids. <laughs> so, so it's not because some of the kids that win are just little assholes. No, not all of them. Some of them are. And some of the, some of the kids that, you know, don't do have crazy parents that we don't want to deal with. So it's really just, it's kind of just a combination of, are you good enough? Like we don't care if you win every lap, you know, like we've, we've been lucky enough to, to get people and bring them up to that level. Um, but we don't, we really, just go pick up higher guns, you know, like go pick up number one. So we more pick up kids that are kind of on their way up and, um, you know, just kind of watch them, watch them grow and flourish hopefully. And yeah, there's no real agenda with our amateur because we don't, we don't uh, turn in team sheets. So we don't compete for a national title. It's literally a family, a presence and a culture for us. Uh, I want to have fun doing it. I, I don't really care about, um, uh, you know, we all out there winning every lap, yelling at, like there's team men yelling at kids because they don't perform. If you don't do this, we're going to lose. Like, I can't deal with that. I mean, they're children. <laughs> so uh, it's more, it's more just for fun for us. Uh, just to have a presence. Fuck yeah. We have a really some... good squad, really good squad right now. And it's, it's really, it's really fun. It's a, it's a, it's fun to go to the races. You know, it's, that's our real family. You know, like I don't know anybody at home anymore. My friends kind of gave up on me years ago. You home? No, you home? No, you home? No. Okay, yeah, fuck it. Never mind. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead to me. <laughs> yeah, BM, I guess. BMX is brutal for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have home friends anymore. I mean, I've got a couple, but I don't see them. But then it also. I see, you know, I see my athletes more than anybody else. Yeah, and BMX too, <laughs> generally, like those are the people you have the most in common with too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I, I've, common goal. I've sometimes found it tough. Like, I still have a lot of really good friends in my hometown and from school and stuff. But at times when we've, when I've met up with like, I don't know, gone to a party or something with uh, friends I went to school before, it's kind of hard to relate sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What now? <laughs> you're yeah, you're like, like so serious. You know, you've been training to be a top athlete, you know, in your, in your, you know, all in your twenties and they're dicking around going to school. I know, you know it's, not dicking around. It's, it's just a totally different life. It's completely different. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to like, it's, it's so hard to relate. Like you can't have fun tonight because you got sprints tomorrow. What? Yeah, I no. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds stupid. You don't make any money either. Like so, what? what, what? Like what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> so besides, okay, that's uh, besides you guys. Uh, people always talk about the BMX industry and whatnot. How is the BMX industry in, in general doing now? Honestly, I kind of live in a bubble in my own little world. I don't have time to even know what's going on. I'm so consumed with this thing. Uh, TJ and I work obscene, obscene hours, day in and day out, travel obscene amounts. So I kind of don't worry about what everybody else is doing. 
but uh, what I do know, it seems like races seem, seem stable. Like I can only gauge by the stuff that I have that's right in front of my face. You know, my numbers are okay. Um, they're, you know, they're not stellar. We're not going to be buying Ferraris or anything ever. Um, but the bills are paid. We're not in debt. Um, so that's good. But the race we go to, we can just know how much people spent that weekend and, and how many motos there were or how many riders. And it's, it seems stable, you know, uh, all the brands that, uh, that are around or seem to be okay. Um, but I don't, I don't really know. You know what I mean? I, I don't see, I just know what I'm doing. Uh, I don't have time for much else. I always thought of it. I, too, I always thought of it too. Like if, if there was no money at all, or it was really going under the brands wouldn't be in it. Like the brands are in it for a reason, even if it is a small industry. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I, I, I mean, I just been my thing like for 22 years, you know? So I just enjoy it. Um, I get, I have the way I want. Um, I don't really have a boss. I mean, you always kind of have a boss to someone. Once you get so big, you're kind of, you're, you're the people buying your stuff or you're buying, like you got to keep capacity and you got to do a good job. And you say you kind of have a boss, but you don't. But I just like the, the creativity part of it, uh, bringing stuff to market. So I care more about that. And then just uh, the culture, just keeping the culture alive, like, you know, doing our program series and all that. But I think, um, I think it's, it seems okay. I mean, a lot of people say it's down or whatever, but, we go to these races and you know, we have the numbers here before the, the sales are okay. The moto counts are okay. So people are still racing. So as long as kids still line up, you know, we're still here. So, I agree. But, I agree. But big, big, big picture. I, I don't know. I can't even look past the next national. I really, we're not just that crazy busy all the time. So, and it's not because we're like growing so much. It's because we do everything because we can't afford to have, afford to have five employees, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> we, we all, we all do seven jobs, you know, <sighs> Well, I've always had yeah. the question asked to me, Rich. Um, people always come and like ask, like, what what is the best way for myself or my son to like approach a brand or approach a company to ask for sponsorship? And I'm I'm sure you get a bunch of those kind of messages from athletes and from like parents or even too. And what is what would you say is like the best way for these athletes or people to approach the companies or brands? Like, I'm not telling people to go do that now, but if they're looking yeah, for yeah. support, um, from ask for a hundred thousand dollars and a paid vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah i don't even get that. um i i don't know we we kind of just let the results speak for themselves but i guess we don't even get good like we just get people hey we'll, we'll run your stuff like uh you know better like to put out put people on blast once in a while we get the same kind of thing like no one really goes about it right you know put, put together a resume why should we sponsor you um we don't do a ton of that um but i guess just I would say put something together that's actual legible and shows your results, your goals, you know, why should we sponsor you? Maybe a little paragraph about, you know, what you do. And we don't see any of that ever. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's just, Hey, uh, I'm giving you an Instagram name on this and that. Will you support me? <laughs> uh, yeah. it's, weird, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I'm, and it's like, you know, I gotta, we try to respond to them. Hey, you know, sorry, we're, we're done for the season, but uh, I, I would, I wouldn't mind sponsoring some kids. You know, like support deals, not like slow deals. But, uh, if they put together decent resumes and they were kind of top kids in their area, um, but no one comes with any kind of application. Like, what? what why should I give you anything? You just write, yeah. you know, a three three cents thing on Instagram posts. And that's the other thing. Instagram's the <laughs> worst thing ever to communicate with a brand because you get tagged <laughs> and being. I'll get 40, 40 other like those information little messages, and it just gets lost. So yeah. uh, the, you'll know, find out their contact email. 
tell them what, you know, who you are, what you're all about, how long you've been racing, what are your results, what are your goals, uh, stuff like that. Put that together on paper so that someone can actually see it, and maybe you'll get a support deal. I don't know, you know, who knows, from any brand. Yeah. We just get these jokers. They get these jokers just saying, you know, on this and that, and that's it. And they're like, cool, see ya. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun. Is kind of weird like that. Provincial title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get parents, you know, writing those. In. And I, I don't blame them. And parents, you know, they're just eager for their kids. You know, I've been watching that my whole you know adult life, watching you know parents try to push their kids through. But not everybody deserves a sponsorship. I mean, there's a love. It's a hobby. And even like the older amateurs too. It's like, guys, you're a hobbyist, man. You're not a. You're not. You're not selling bikes, and that's that's always hard to say too to some people. It's like. You know, I'm this and that. I'm doing that. I'm 37 expert. I'm like, dude, you're hot. it's a hobby. You know, I'm not paying you to, to do your hobby. I, I appreciate the like you know you want to use our brand and you respect what we're doing, but you're a hobbyist. I mean, this is a hobby now. We've never sponsored yeah. anyone past pro. Like, we don't have any older amateurs that pass the pro ranks. Um, I think it's great that they're still doing it and you're still you know active and you're kicking butt out there. But it's not really. I don't know. Like, are you really selling bikes? You know, you do yeah. the math. Like give you money like you got to sell this next amount of stuff are you doing that on your local level like the ones you know, hey I do a lot of clinics I do this I do that I'm in front of a lot of people but, you know that's different like what, what do you do what is a value that makes me want to give you stuff because we have a lot of marketing in place already you know I, I don't want to say I don't need anyone else like that but you come with something you know like what can you do for me I'm the I'm the brand here it's like you're not helping me I'm I'm, I'm good so, you know, what, what can you, what can you do? What can you do that set yourself apart in your area, you know, in your local area that, that you might be able to offer us some value. So, yeah. We always tell people is like, you got to be able to provide them with something too. Like, what are you offering them in return for them giving you something like, right. It's like, there's gotta be, it's gotta be a two way street. Yeah, absolutely. And some people just got to realize they're hobbyists. I mean, it's a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. So you just gotta be, you gotta be realistic too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you talk about high level, you know, you have high level team, high level athletes and you're, you know, a local expert that barely makes names or something. I mean, it's not, not mad. Are you shitting me? You, 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 you gotta get, you gotta get to that level. You know, little leaguers don't call up Nike and go, Hey man, my kid just, you know, hit a home, my kid just hit a home run. He hit two home runs on I Tuesday need, night. I need, I need travel. I need hotels for his summer league. I need 20 pairs of cleats and a glove. You know, like, they don't do that. No. So I don't know why BMX has gone like that, but it seems to gotten a little bit better. You know, a lot of us have finally started saying no and, and really just can't afford to, to give people stuff. But with dealers being gone, so these little these little satellite teams, they all buy stuff. So that's kind of it's like a dealership for us almost. You know, we <laughs> we don't really do that too much either. But you know, a lot of those like the bombshell teams everywhere, Coopy uh, Team Green and, and Boxing has their little karate belt stuff now, or whatever they call it, uh, all the different colored jerseys. <laughs> so we've never really got into that either. But those are decent marketing things to get kids that. Um, you know, get some kind of support at their different levels. Um, so there's stuff like that to look into for those guys too. Um, James, got anything else before we get into some quick shots? I was curious too, like obviously Rich, you guys have built, like you talked about, like your company has grown into what it is now. Like you guys have like a warehouse that you work out of. What do you guys make in-house versus what do you guys get from overseas? Uh, uh, we have a CNC mill. Um, we got that probably 10 years ago because in Taiwan, 
to get, or even not in Taiwan, but even domestically in Taiwan, we wanted to make sprockets and stems. Mm-hmm. And the volume was super high. So it was like, you got to get 10 of each or, you know, a hundred of each size. And then you got a hundred per color. And we're looking at the investment to like, you want to go from 36 to 46 at the time and four or five colors, you know, for 30, 40 grand. I'm like, well, shit, that's kind of a lot. So <laughs> we actually just bought a, bought a machine for the same amount and just started making them ourselves so we could, uh, we can handle the, the quantities, you know, we can make two or 10 or 50 or a hundred. So we bought a CNC mill so we can make uh, we make our sprockets, our four and five volt sprockets and our stems. So, sometimes we will source stems out depending on if the machine is busy running sprockets. That's what it mm-hmm. runs about apes in the time. So we have the mill that makes that stuff and then it goes out to Anno and then we have a laser engraver. So we laser the graphic on, uh, we make our chain tension. So just the, just a little bit of the aluminum, um, cool. everything else yeah. is our grips are ODI and then, Pretty much everything else is this Taiwan, you know, seats, plates, posts, all that kind of stuff. Our cranks are made here. We don't make them, but they're made in California. So our little guy cranks. So yeah, just a little bit of stuff. That... Go ahead. I was just going to say, is there anything you guys like uh, you push more than other things or like know you're going to sell more of compared to other products? Um, yeah, not really. We just kind of have everything. We sell a lot of, you know, we sell a lot of number plates and sprockets, just that quick, you wear them out, change gears a lot. Number plates are cheap, you know, like go for them, you know, put new ones on, new colors. Um, yeah, I mean, grips, we sell a lot of grips, but I don't know, just kind of, it all kind of just goes. Hmm. That's really cool. Though. Yeah, like stuff that people wouldn't really know. I was just curious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're adding stuff for our carbon. I went to I went to Taiwan not two weeks ago working on our carbon stuff. So hopefully, get some of that released by the end of the year. Working on all the exercises of our little bars and forks, and hopefully a frame here at some point, maybe twenty twenty one. Is there a demand for carbon now these days? Like it seems like it seems like everybody just wants it because it's a new thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's but it's it's. I mean, I've been through all the waves. And everything is definitely sticking now. You know, it's it's here. I don't think it's going anywhere. I don't. I mean. It's all so like the frames now are so overbuilt that they're the same weight as aluminum for the most part, and the stiffness. They, you know, they're trying to do different kinds of studies and stuff. They're saying some people are saying like little people on carbon, like they're not even strong enough to flex out an aluminum frame. So <laughs> some people are saying like it, it could even be a hindrance being on carbon because it's so stiff. There's literally mm-hmm. no rebound for them, so you can't get any kind of you know. Uh, movement back and forth so yeah I don't know like it's it's kind of weird um, and then we've had several of our riders come, come off carbon frames and go on to ours and they're turning either the same times or better times Romaine had no problem Patty Patty Chirac just uh, he just switched to a wrist off of his carbon frame and he just hit personal bests on his uh, hill time so it's not really a big deal most of those guys doesn't matter you know you can't you can't run a slack out one you know, you can run them for six months versus, you know, a year or so on a carbon, but you still are cheaper than two aluminum frames. It's still cheaper than a carbon frame. So, um, I think, yeah, it's definitely a fad, but it's not going anywhere. So we'll, we're diving on in. <laughs> oh, Patty did his fastest times on the Supercross. So weird. I didn't know the Brits used timers on their Supercross hill. So weird. Oh, what is something? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know anything about it. Just say it's a personal best. Could have been somewhere. I, I don't that's know. weird. I, I, that's, I, don't, I didn't know the Great Britain team used timers. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so strange. Um, yeah, James, you want to go on some quick shots? 
Yeah, let's, uh, we got some fan questions for you, Rich. So, uh, uh, what we, got? We, also, we also have our favorites too, James. I like I like how we're doing the same ones for each person too. Too. We do. It's nice to see. It. It's I know. Nice to see what other. Yeah, people I know. I like with. it. All right, go for yeah. it. Uh, well, I'm gonna start with this one because it might not be a quick shot, and I don't think it is. But Nick Long, 64, said, "Ask him about his year off caffeine." Oh yeah, Sedona. It was uh, about a year and a month now. No problems. <laughs> do you feel any better, like energy wise or anything, or like? Yeah, for sure. Like we're, you know, we're sponsored by we're sponsored by Rockstar, so we have hundreds of cases a year. And I was drinking so many, like I was drinking two, three a day, maybe sometimes four. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. So just it was just it was just too many. You probably so I just kind of quit cold turkey. Yeah, you probably feel like more stable energy now, probably. Yeah, just normal all day. Yeah, yeah. Like it's completely hundred percent different. Like no ups and downs. You know, I don't. I I talk, wait, so I don't drink coffee, so I don't need a coffee mug. I would buy one, but I don't need one. Like a coffee chatter. But um, so I'd wake up and either drink like a soda with caffeine, or you maybe a rock star. And like, fuck, that's not a good way to start your day. So no. <laughs> yeah, the first couple of weeks, first couple of weeks it was a little rocky. You know, get some headaches and just kind of like weird. Yelled at a few but neighbors, that, but I uh, got through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> once that once that cleared out, yeah, I mean, there's no highs and lows, like no caffeine up and down. I'll sort of, you know, like sugar soda, like yeah. Fanta or a Sprite or something, but no, I just said no caffeine. I was like, done. I'm not saying I'll never drink it again. I'm sure I will, but yeah. you know, it's been a year. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. It is better for sure, like 100%. Yeah. Just not, not craving it. Like, ah, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. You know, you got coffee or I need a soda or I need a, a rock star or whatever. It's, it's been, uh, it's definitely better. From uh, at Jake Hall 203, how many times a week does he get hit up for free stuff or bro deals? <laughs> Yeah, daily probably. Uh, <laughs> nah, maybe not daily. It depends on what time of the year it is. Uh, a lot, plenty. Uh, this one's from Romaine Mayu. He says, "Who's your favorite pro?" <laughs> <laughs> Sylvain Andre. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Oh uh, man, I, you know I love all those guys. <laughs> I, I respect all those guys. Yeah, um, they're all good dudes. I really do. I, I, they're all just awesome. The whole French connection, man. They, they've taken us in like our brand, and those guys are amazing. Uh, they're such badasses. No, they're all they're good, really, really good, really dudes. good group of guys. Yeah, they're all yeah, good but, but all the athletes in general, man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, be friends. Uh, I make sure to give our main shit every time he doesn't post on social media. I see it. It's a fine. He's he's the worst. Like 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 really come on. You have all these you have good followers, you have like people follow and want to see it. I know, I just don't know what to post. I'm like, Jesus, come on. Oh my god, it's not so. it's not that hard. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, from uh Steven Smith, tell us about the glitter six. Oh man, that's uh sounds that's like a most, sounds like a strip club. No, no, I don't remember the story. I, it's honestly so long. It's that it's that Motel Six. It's like right off the strip, and it's got the uh, it's like it's a glittery one. It's, you know, it's got the light, Vegas Vegas light bulbs and stuff. And that's why it's called the Glitter Six. But I don't know. That's too many stories. Though. I honestly don't know what happened there. Probably something bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You just ask him. I, I can't. I can't remember all the all the stories. Like I literally, I go to twenty nationals a year, and I've been doing it for twenty two years. So. I have no clue, and I've done shady shit with them you know, until my later adult life. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really answer that. <laughs> All right, this one. Uh, normally, I just ask the riders, but 
maybe they'll apply to you too. What, who's your hardest competitor? Um, I don't know. They're not hard. I, the biggest one right now is probably Chase and those guys seem to be doing the best job out there. Um, they're they're uh, they're growing. Their online presence is getting bigger. They've got two of the best pros in the world. So I mean, they're the I see there's they're number one these days in, in, in for my outlook. So they're, they're, they're the biggest, but they're also my really good friends. So it's kind of cool. What's your uh, What's your favorite Netflix show? Um, yeah, I've been just bouncing around right now. Uh, I don't know. But I don't even know. We're gonna watch a couple of the new ones. I don't even. I don't. I haven't watched like a series in a while. Did you watch uh, Sons but, of Anarchy? Uh, that was really good. I watched some of that. I don't think I made it through all the seasons. I watched some of it. What did I watch? Fuck yeah, I don't remember that. You know, it's too much. Goss- too Goss- much stuff. You watch Gossip Girl? Nice. <laughs> hey, right. <laughs> no, no. We just, yeah, just watch random stuff. No, nothing, no real standouts. Uh, if you weren't uh, the boss of Tangent Products, what would you want to be doing? I don't know. Um, something that, I mean, that's great. I've never, never even thought about it. I've not. That's all I've ever done. Uh, something creative, though, like something similar, I guess. Something maybe not in the bicycle industry, but I like producing. I like making stuff, you know, uh, marketing, you know, marketing that stuff. So something in those lines, you know, in maybe some other completely different world, but uh, a similar type of job. Uh, Chipotle, Chipotle or In and Out? Chipotle. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, least favorite yeah. thing about BMX racing? Um, it doesn't get it's not, uh, enough recognition, I think, is one thing that's not my favorite. For sure. Um, I wish the pros had a little more value, but uh, they just don't. Uh, they don't know how to fix it. Um, they, I think they kind of need to give back, like, you know, the USA battles, I think terms need to become with, with, with them and the sanction and this they butt heads a lot so I think pro recognition just the sport recognition at all I wish it was a little more I wish people respected what it really is once they get to a higher level they're not just see it as a little kiddie sport I mean it is what it is but uh, once those high end athletes and if they could understand and respect what you guys do it, uh, that'd be kind of cool if they really realized the work and the talent and uh, what it takes but it just doesn't look like it when you watch it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That, that's unfortunate. That's probably my least favorite. Um, I'm out. Would you got any more, James? No, that was my last one on the list. All right. Thanks for coming um, on. I'm, thanks for coming on, Rich. Uh, one, other, one other least favorite is get some of these big guys to go to these pro-ams that we, we put up ah, all this money yes. and everybody's too damn lazy to come out to them. Yes. <laughs> kind of cool. You guys do a really good job. <laughs> with the, you guys do a really good job with the pro-ams. Actually, I really like your guys' stories of the races. I like following them. Sometimes it's the only way to see the mains and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we try. I try to, I mean, because I do all that. So I'm running around like crazy trying to run a program. We got our shop running, you know, dealing with all the kids, dealing with the track, dealing with their schedules, and then trying to make stories so that it's fun. You know, so we definitely try. It's not it's not an easy task. But yeah, it's a fun series. You know? The kids really dig it. We put up a lot of cash. So yeah. we get it together a lot of cash. Pros, make sure you go so head out to the Tangent Proams and support Tangent and, and earn some money. They're good races. Head out, head out to them, pros. Yeah, yeah, they're really good. They're a lot of fun. And they're easy. It's like, you know, four laps and you make 600 bucks for a win. Like, ooh, bummer. Yeah, and it looks fun. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is a lot of fun. 
the 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 girls actually really taken hold of it. So they've really stepped up, and they they're coming out to a lot of them. We're seeing a lot of the the big U.S. names out for sure. Uh, you know, they're within a reasonable distance, but they're they're traveling out to them because they can't just go race A Pro or you know Pro Open or whatever. So they're like, it's like the other it's the other series for them now. They kind of realize, you know, it's like they can't just oh we're gonna we'll just hit you know Santa Clara Powell hit this race or this race because they can't. There's no, I mean, it's not a girl. They can race them, but it's not you know obviously not going to work out like that. But so this little series for them has been a, a good little secondary thing to the, the national series. So it's good to see them out. And it's, it's been fun. It's been fun to watch. Them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What a cool way for like the younger riders to just, like get to race their like top pros too. Yeah. No kidding. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Good. Thanks for coming on, Rich. We really appreciate it. Yeah. You're doing awesome yeah, things. No You're doing awesome things for the industry and it was uh cool to k- chat Thanks, some in- industry stuff with you. And yeah, man, best of best of luck this year and stay safe in these uh crazy times right now. Yeah, yeah. We're, we'll we'll stay safe and hopefully I'll be back to racing soon. I know I mean I've been doing it forever and a break's kinda cool, but I'm ready to get back to it. It's been four weeks already now. I miss, I miss <laughs> I miss going to the races too. I want to get back. Yeah, I, I want to go. I know. Just, I got this big trailer here, sitting here doing nothing, and all of you know, it's like, God, let's get back to it. So, yeah, hopefully everybody makes it through, and we get back to it. And, you know, wish all the brands out there luck. I know we're all we're all kind of in this together, and we're gonna have to tough it out. It's gonna be tough, but hopefully everybody be hungry and ready to buy stuff. So it all clears out, and we'll get caught up quickly. Absolutely. Thanks, bro. Take care. Bye, we'll guys. See you have soon. a good one. Thanks, buddy. You right. too. Thanks, Rich. Bye. 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 A hell of a guy. Great guy. Great chat. Great to hear from all that uh, all that knowledge he has, like just from the industry background stuff. I know. I've always been really inter- interested by the industry stuff, like how much value a rider is, how much value social media is, how much product it moves. I, I don't know. I've always thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I know. Like we've talked about it too, like when people ask us and like obviously we have our opinions, but we've never really known from somebody who's actually in the market who selling the product, trying to like, run their business, right? So. Yeah, and I guess it's impossible to really quantify like how many sets of bars Romain sells. But if after they pick them up, their business is doing better in in Europe, and there's more brand recognition in Europe, and like that's not a coincidence. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the one thing. Like we've talked, or I say it again, we've talked about is it. like it's like yeah, how do the the brands can't put maybe a, an exact number on it? But as he talked about, it's like he has one of the top riders globally, so he's reaching a much bigger market than his. Uh, national riders are right so anybody around the world knows who remain is they know who what he rides they know he's fast they want to ride what he's riding and they'll they trust their, it. yeah they'll trust it too because he's using it exactly yeah they see the 12 expert or f- even 15 expert in u.s like they're, they're not going to have that same impact globally and you got to spend money to make money so for instance a company like tangent say they didn't sponsor anybody well no mm-hmm. one's going to see their stuff then like no one's yeah. going to see riders using the stuff so you got to spend money and sponsor riders to get your product out there in order to make money. So you might spend a bit more money up front, but you're going to make more because if you don't, it's just advertising. If you don't advertise, how are you going to make money? Like every company has to advertise. No, exactly. Yeah. Good point. What do you yeah. think? Just, just going to magically sell product. Like it doesn't work like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people are just going to magically want to ride your bikes just because like, yeah, no, it doesn't like it. Look at any company, the commercials, they're all advertising. If they don't do that, people aren't going to buy their stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. I think, I think it's cool that he's like, I'd say Tangent has pretty much taken over, I'd say the West Coast, I'd say California. And then you've got like a competitor of like Answer and S Squared who kind of run show in like Florida and the East Coast. It's like, 
two kind of competitors on opposite sides of the country. They have their own market, little markets. Yeah, totally. On a complete, yeah. on a completely different topic. <laughs> we, we, we have another social media check in. Matt Baisley has a uh, coronavirus. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I haven't, I was, I just saw it. And so I was just looking at his caption. I'm going to read it after the show. Uh, but Matt, if you're listening, we love you, buddy. And we hope you, uh, feel better soon and pull through. Um, yeah, I'm going to sit, it's long post, but I'm going to, I'll read it through after the show, but yeah, Matt, we're thinking about you, buddy. Wow. Yeah. It's sucky to hear. No, it's a real thing. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, people didn't take it serious at first, but it is, it is very serious. Yeah. So. That's what we're thinking about you, Matt. Um, mm-hmm. anything else for you? Uh, wrap this thing up. Um, no, we're still sitting, waiting here, waiting for news about when races are planned to get going, which obviously that can't be determined yet until we get rid of this virus. Still waiting to hear what the whole deal with the Olympics will be. Um, I heard there's one situation they're going to have to deal with. Um, all the athlete housing and like the athlete village is already sold out to, for people to move into. Yeah. At the end of 2020. Shit. I didn't even think of that. Right? So, like, these houses, like, the athlete housing, they, they can't just build the buildings and leave them. Like, they sell it to people, so after the games, people can move in. Well, it's people are supposed to move in at the end of 2020. Well, oh, with the games being postponed to 2021, <laughs> yeah, they're like, what do you do? Like, are they going to be able to keep people out of their homes until then? Or, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, I didn't think of that. Crazy, hey? Wow, no kidding. Yeah. Well, so that's something. Well, canceling the Olympics is just a logistic nightmare in general. Mm-hmm. Like, you imagine those fucking poor people had to cancel it. They're like, oh, my God. That'd be awful for oh them, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. So. I mean, that stuff's going on in everything right now, but something as big as the Olympics, there's so much that goes into it. Oh, what a nightmare to be working there now. Yeah, they spent the past probably six, eight years planning this. Fuck, the probably. Like, time. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, so. And they're like, Not oh. easy decision. <laughs> Where do we even start? <laughs> like, where do you even? Oh, crap. Where do you even start? I don't even know what you do. All right, uh, let's just go get the, get the travel agents book in the the local Holiday Inn down the street. Is there a Super Eight? Let's get the Super Eight. And then athletes are like, "Well, what do you mean I can't peak in July this year? <laughs> <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> are you shitting me? Classy. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Just put it on ice for a month and get back. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, second show this week. A really great one. Like I said, it was. It was good to do something different again and have a, a mainstream industry guy like Rich on. Yeah. Uh, do we want to do, do do we want to do uh, two shows next week? I said we do two shows. I mean, there has been some people asking for you know some some content to keep them occupied during this time. So, dude, people need content right now. Of all the times ma- is right now. People need content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're we're trying to be for the people. So, I think we might just have to. I think so. Uh, we can't do yeah. the show without this drop. I hate that guy. I hate that guy. I hate that guy. Sylvan, what was Sylvan's, what was the stupid post that I was making a joke about as our check? Oh, that you sent me? Yeah, the one where he's doing bicep curls in the Tioga video. Yeah, come on, Sylvan, don't lie. We all know you're just eating candy and whatnot. He eats so many Skittles. So, so much Nutella, candy. Nutella, Haribo. He's a little candy man. Look, a little candy man. <laughs> you start calling him the candy man. <laughs> sugar Sylvan. Candy, I remember. Sugar Sylvan, the candy man. One time, uh, when I was staying at Connor's house in Vegas, I hate that guy. Showed up to the track at 8 a.m. and he's. We rolled up to the parking lot and he's sitting in the parking lot with Ava, just eating his Oreos. Fucking awesome! Oh, that was a good. Thing. Oh, what a guy! Yeah. 
still ripped some gates off and was pulling off. The Kevayon boy. Yeah. Probably at the Loch Ness Cafe right now in PH and Kevayon. <laughs> That's the local spot there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is the local spot. All right. Yeah. Show 49. Arguably, some are saying it's the best number we've ever had on the show. Some are saying that. <laughs> um, I, I would agree with those people that are saying that. Everybody other than you and Dana Tutcher will... Uh, and whoever my new guy is, in one year from now, wherever it is, whoever's my guy, <laughs> you're my fucking guy. You should open up a selection, like get people to send in applications to take over your number. <laughs> oh, fuck, I hope it's someone good. That'd be so awesome. Dude, maybe, they'll do what I, maybe they'll do what I never could do and win a World Cup. That'd be sexy, a 4-9 <laughs> in the top. <laughs> Uh, just or go up just, on the podium with him. I was part of this. Or it's going to be painful if the dude sucks and I guess I, he's still going to be my guy, but he's just fucking going out first round every time. I'm going like, to have to be stressing in the LCQ, just yelling uh, your ass off. I'm going to have to message him and be like, dude, we need to put, we need to change here. We need to do something. <laughs> we need to change. What gear in your right? It's going to be, it's going to be, we, I'm going to be fully involved in his program. <laughs> Tori's, Tori's team. It's, it's going to be, Team Fortnite. I'm going to be big time involved in his program. He's going to be getting a lot of heat if he's not doing well. <laughs> oh, that'll be so funny. Wait, where is it? You have to be fast in the track. You, All right, you fucking better. Show fifty next week. That's again. That's we're good round number fifty, eh? That's a big one. That's yeah. We need to do something big for that one. I know. I wish we could fly someone in. That'd be fucking. Oh yeah, we can't have him in studio every. Never mind. I can't even be in studio right now. We can't fly. No, somebody yeah, to your fuck house. this. Logistically not possible. Although there was talk of me and James before we started this show, there was talk of us having a call-in show, but we need to work out some logistics. Yeah, we're going to work out some logistics, but I think that would be a banger to do. If we can get this sorted, um, we might be able to have a live show. Fan, live fan questions would be perfect. I think it'd be great. Hear from them, have a discussion about what their topic is with them. That'd be great. I know, a little BMX radio show. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that possibly, possibly happening next yeah, week. Yeah, well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee and chatter. <laughs> all right. Show 50. Thanks to Progate Europe, guys. Oh, yeah, shit. Almost. How could I? It's show 49. I couldn't forget Progate Europe. Thanks, Progate Europe. Could, can never forget them. Winning starts at the Great Gate. Fantastic. Show 49. Love Progate Europe. Go buy, you. Guys, go buy one. Go buy one. Go buy your merch. Our merch is out. Link is in the bio still. It's. I don't know. We're going to have to keep putting in and out, but yeah. Get some merch, baby. Get some merch. All right. Yeah. See you, peeps. Later. Yeah, well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter? I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs>